Welcome to a Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real life stories. I'm Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sony and Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. Thanks for joining us as we hear the stories of women entrepreneurs. We're glad you joined us today. We think it's important for us to be here with tips of love and stories of hope for all of our spirited food friends out there. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Massoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. So, hey, Sarah, I got to see you in person in real life. Oh, that's right. For the first time in one year. How did I look? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, what's funny is that I see you every week on the in the Zoom world. And and so I see you without your mask. But then I saw you with your mask and I was like, is she sad? (laughs) It's just because I couldn't see your face. I think tired would be a way to describe (laughs) me right now. Yeah, I went to the Food Innovation Center to visit Sarah to say hi. It was the first time I'd been in through those doors in quite some time. But I had a new product. I wanted to get some advice from Sarah on. And she just told me I was ready and just to do it. (laughs) I did. Yeah, thanks for the encouragement. I mean, I don't know. I guess at this time. I tried to snag the sample from Sarah, but she's like, I already know this is too hot for you. <laughs> like, you're not gonna like it. It's too spicy. Let me bring you back a mild oh. one. <laughs> Actually, you know, today's International Women's Day. I know people might not hear this on International Women's Day, but it's kind of a cool day that's really been emerging over the last couple of years. And I'm so excited to see so many people celebrating. International Women's Day. I know it's wonderful. What a great day to have this podcast, especially. We get to celebrate all these wonderful women working super hard. And I feel like it's really lovely. I can't think of anybody else I'd rather spend today with than you guys. Me either. (laughs) And the best part is we have three Sarahs on the show today. We do. So let I'll just introduce our guests. You just okay. transitioned us right on over, Sarah. So okay. we're joined by a really wonderful guest today. It's not our typical maker, but we wanted everyone to know her. So we like to mix things up a little bit. We're joined in the studio with Sarah Delavan, owner of Sarah Delavan Consulting and host of the Good CFO podcast. Sarah, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me and happy International Women's Day. I know. what, And it's. I think it's really special that it's all three of us Sarah's too. This was like meant to be. It's going to be a powerful show. I can tell. I know. And my cheeks are already hurting from smiling and laughing. So, I mean, that's a good sign. That is good. That's what we always, um, Sarah and I always tell people when they're like feeling a little bit nervous at first, we're like, oh, no, no, this isn't like going to be serious. You don't have to put on your serious face here. We're just going to 
tell your story and laugh yeah. together. It'll be great. <clears throat> it's <Love> fun. It. <laughs> fun and easy. So Sarah, this isn't the first time that I have introduced you to people before. We met at the Farmer's Market Conference. At, back then, it was called Intense. Now, it's called Farmer's Market Pros. And I just wanted to tell people that that conference is coming up in a couple of weeks. So if people are interested, if you're a maker or a market manager or you have anything to do with food businesses, it's a really wonderful resource. So Sarah and I were both speakers there a couple of years ago, and, yeah. and I was put in charge to introduce you. <laughs> like, hi, nice to meet you. I'm going to be introducing you. What do I need to know? <laughs> like, tell, tell me all about yourself real quick so I can tell everybody else. <laughs> You did a great job though. Oh, thank you. Well, that that conference is always really fun and I love it. And I, I hope that people check it out. They have a podcast as well called Farmer's Market Pros. So people should um, check that out for sure. But we, Sarah, we want to connect people to you. So what's the best place and best way people can find you online and on social media? Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of Instagram. So you can find me at sarah.delavan.consulting. Um, you know, chat me up in my DMs. Like just, I love, love that platform. I think it really is kind of one of the best examples of social media. Um, and then you can also find me at sarahdelavan.com. Lots of information about me and, and my services and offerings um, there on the website. Perfect. And is your podcast um, oh. separate? Does it, have a, does it have a separate um, space to find it or is it, do you find it through your website? Yeah, you can totally find my podcast. It's so new that I sometimes forget um, <laughs> to mention it. So it's called the Good Food CFO Podcast. And yeah, you can access all of the episodes through our blog. Um, so they're all available there and then anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Perfect. So we'll um, make sure to tag those things and get people um, connected to you when we post your show. Uh, and I wanted to say that um, when I was talking about how we met at the conference, and so you do a lot of public speaking, right? Not, not so, not too much, actually. You no, it was... Um, one of the first times I did public speaking was at the intense conference. And that came about after I did an episode of their podcast. Um, and I've kind of just had my head down in my work, not really going out much. And I was going to venture out to, you know, Expo West and a few other places to maybe do some networking and perhaps think about doing some more public speaking right before the world shut down. So, um, so not, not too much public speaking, but I do love it. And I especially love podcasts and interacting on, in this format as well. What's your favorite thing about doing podcasting? Oh gosh. Um, you know, the reason I started to to do my podcast in particular was because I wanted to have like longer conversations with people about the, the various topics surrounding food business financials, right? I do love Instagram, but you can only say so much. Um, and I also come from a place of like positivity and like support. And I also felt like it's hard to sort of teach or talk about <laughs> money and, and, come across with the right tone. So podcasting really gave me an opportunity to sort of have conversations with people in mass, which I, which I really liked. Um, and then doing podcasts with folks like you and Sarah, it's like, 
talking to other humans is another, it's just generally <laughs> nice. Cool. Right? <laughs> I saw on your website that you have some different things that you're helping people um, work with. One of them is called launch and build profitable food business. And the way you have four different things that you list off in your little video, I'm quizzing you. Do you remember what the four things are? <laughs> I do. I do. So um, a little bit of a backstory is that in 2020, when things were very strange, like in March and, and I, I work with like CPG brands, but also catering companies and meal delivery businesses. And what I was seeing was that different people were having very different um like responses or like how the pandemic was affecting their business was all very different, right? Catering businesses were gone overnight versus some CPG brands who actually had like an uptick in business. And at the time I was only offering one-on-one services. And I thought, I, I just really felt compelled to offer additional ways that people could get help, especially in such a great like time of need. So I offer um, what's called a toolkit um, which is just this, you know, sort of a, a bundle of simple Excel tools to help people understand their recipe costs, maybe, you know, start pulling together the financials of their business. You know, that's we call it a financial model, right? That's a fancy term for a spreadsheet with, with your financial information on it so you can start to make sense of it. Um, and some tools to help them um, sort of understand, okay, if I want to hit this profit you know, dollar amount, or I want to pay myself a certain amount of money, what do I really need to hit in terms of my sales goal? So that's designed for folks who are just getting started, maybe, or who are launching um, a food business. And then I offer an online workshop, which is designed for folks who've been in business for at least a year. And they've reached that point where they're thinking, okay, things are going well and my business is growing, but I am not really sure what's happening with the money. Like, where is it going? Where is it being spent? Am I doing a good job? I'm not really sure. And that's really focused on helping them to see the numbers of their business and really understand what's working and maybe what needs to be tweaked a little bit. And then we take it one step further um, and talk about setting up financial reports so that they truly serve you so that once you leave this workshop, you've got financial data that you can actually work with um, on a monthly basis to help you make decisions. Um, And then we get into um, sort of the next level, which is our online program, which is again, designed for folks who've been in business for a year or more, but they're, they've done sort of that financial analysis. And now they want to really create a plan for the next 12 months and really get focused and, and do that work. And we do that online. And we have, it's really great, small community right now of um, all female, um, all women owned businesses at the moment, which is pretty exciting um, in the online program. We meet once a week and we do coaching in a group session. And it's really just becoming a really lovely um network of ladies. And then um, the CFO consulting services, which are the much more in-depth sort of like high-level one-on-one um, consulting services that I offer. So there it is. There's That's all of it. <laughs> <laughs> so the, those are all the things that you do for people. But I, um, I really would like if like you to talk about how you got into doing that and what made you start this consulting business. Cause I think that's a really interesting part of your story. Yeah, totally. So, um, I, I always thought that I would be someone who wore a suit. I like to wear suits. I love to wear heels. I always envisioned myself, you know, with like 
a computer and, and in an office. And um, I happened to have a quite a life-changing experience. Well, I shouldn't say life-changing. That sounds a little too dramatic. A skin-changing <laughs> experience. I suffered with really bad acne for the majority of my teenage years and, and all through my 20s, really painful cystic acne. And took all the pharmaceuticals and all the heavy stuff, you know, the Accutane and, and all of that and really had no results. I was still struggled into, you know, into my thirties with my skin. And it was when I moved to Los Angeles and found a new dermatologist who for the first time said, she asked me questions about my body that no doctor had ever asked me before. In addition to, you know, what are you eating and, and what are you drinking and what are you feeding your body with? And she really helped me heal my skin from the inside out, like no pharmaceuticals at all. We just cut out, you know, things that weren't good for me personally, like soy and cow's milk and a few other things and really bumped up the greens. And when I say my skin changed almost overnight, I'm not exaggerating. And I just thought, well, this is pretty incredible. And at the same time, I read Michael Pollan's book, Omnivore's Dilemma. And it was just this moment where I was like, that's it. I am now need to be in the world of food and specifically need to be supporting, you know, farmers and, and folks who are doing this sort of the right way. Right. Um, so I tried to transition from like corporate America to volunteering at farmers markets and stuff. No one would take me, which Kat from, from intense <laughs> informed me. She's like, yeah, when you have, you know, when there's no evidence of the fact that you can get your hands dirty, farmers markets are not likely to, <laughs> to bring you on. I said, oh, it's good to know in hindsight. Um, but I used my marketing background to, to get a volunteer gig at a farmer's market, then started managing farmer's markets and then really felt um, compelled to expand, like extend the food that farmers were growing and the, and you know, the products that people were making like similar to what you do, Sarah, and just beyond the walls of the farmer's market. It just, we just wanted it to have a, a, a a bigger reach. And so a business partner and I intended on starting a small like retail grocery store, I think like buy right in San Francisco, we thought, Oh, we're going to create like a buy right, you know, in Los Angeles. And that didn't work out. Um, and so we ended up starting a pop-up business. So if anybody who's listening has ever run a pop-up, you know, that it is, labor intensive, money intensive, right? It's just a short amount of time. You can only serve so many people. And it was amazing because we had a community of devoted customers who loved what we were bringing to them. We were supporting farmers and fishermen and ranchers and all of that. But at the end of the day, we weren't making any money. And we really bought into this idea that like, in order to be successful and to be able to pay ourselves, we have to sell more. So we kept trying to replicate the model and do more pop-ups and be more places. And we did earn more revenue, but we had really, you know, our costs just kept growing and growing and growing. And so we had to make the tough decision, you know, we need to change this business model and we can become delivery only, um, or we can close this business. And we didn't want to be a delivery business. We were, we got into this to have a connection with people and to, you know, be of service to them. And so we decided to close the business and, the thing that really impacted me about that was that our customers were so sad that they're losing their connection to this food that they had access to through us. And that really stuck with me. And then I became keenly aware that there were a lot of other, you know, good food businesses, as I referred to them, that were had amazing products. The business owners were working crazy hard. They had customers that loved 
the products, but they couldn't make the money part work out. And at the time it was just me observing it and having a lot of feelings about it, but not thinking I could do anything about it. Um, so I went on to work for a large catering company here in LA and saw that they were having the same types of issues, right? We were very specifically hitting 30% food costs, which, you know, if you were to Google, what should my food cost be? That's what the internet's going to tell you. And you can hit that goal and still struggle to pay your employees, still struggle to struggle to pay yourself. Right. Um, and I thought, wait a second, I'm the buyer here. I am in charge of how much we spend, right. And what we buy, and maybe I can help to fix this problem. And so it was in that role that I really started to pull together lessons and, and learn things and figure things out um, and help that particular business and did that two more times afterward and never intended on becoming a consultant, to be totally honest with you. But I, I took another job at a startup to do something similar and they lost their funding about three days before I was supposed to start my work. And they're like, hey, uh, have you heard the news? I'm like, no, I was just moving into a new apartment that day. And they said, well, we've lost our funding and we don't have a job for you anymore. I was like, great. I left my other job. Um, okay. So the crazy thing was that that same day I got an email from a chef that I had worked with at that catering company years before. And she said, Hey, we I've got a chef coming to LA from New York. We'd love for you to help us with our sustainable sourcing. We really want to get the seasonal you know, stuff right and really find the best of the best. Can you help us? And that's how I got into the work that I do now, it was sort of as a buyer at first, and then it evolved into the financial work just because there was a continuous need for an eye on both the numbers and the quality of... You have your MBA. I do. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about how that helps you do oh, this? Oh, gosh. Yeah. I think one of, the, one of the greatest advantages of the MBA for me is knowing how to work with others and how to communicate with others. Um, the, the MBA program that I went through was completely group-based. So everything we did, seven of us had to come together and, and produce, you know, a good outcome. And I think, you know, when, when, especially when you work with a business owner who feels something has to change, something has to change right now, things are not working well, and they're in panic mode, being able to sort of bring them down from that and, and speak positively to them and, and create a path from where we are now to where we're going to be is huge. And I don't know that I would be able to do that as well as I, I think I can now without that MBA kind of training. Um, and I, I'm an expert level Excel person. Um, and that has helped in my business and with my clients in more ways than I ever could have imagined everything from, you know, building pricing models that are automated, right? Where you can pick, like I have, I work with a, a woman who owns a fish, a sustainable fish company. And she's like, the price of fish changes every day. And there are all these fees involved in it. And it's like being able to take this problem that feels really big and say, I can make a tool for that. And I can make it so that you can choose the type of fish and just type in the price you paid today. And it will tell you how much you need to charge for that fish. Um, so I think those are the two biggest things that, that uh, influence what I do and can do for yeah, people. I think Excel might be one of the single most wonderful um, programs you can learn to use as a tool for a food entrepreneur. I agree. And one day Sarah called me. She's like, Hey, 
you got some time. Can I come over and you can help me with your my Excel sheets? I'm like, come on over. We sat at my kitchen table. I'm like, okay, now what are you doing? And we're like, made all these spreadsheets and suddenly yeah. she knew. And you know that, how much well, to charge. So this is awesome. the thing. This is the thing that, that that's challenging for food entrepreneurs that a lot of us are not numbers people. And so Sarah Devlin, this is this is what I think is so unique about you is that there's there's so much that you have to bring to the table because you have experienced what it's like to be that maker, to be that person who is creating something wonderful and your people love it and you're sharing it and you're like, I just have to do it more. And then this is going to work. And then you're just like in it and you believe in it. And so you just do it, but like, you're not making any money and you can't understand why, because everybody loves it and you're working so hard and you're making so much stuff. And I was in that position a little bit when I was very first starting and I was doing every farmer's market that I could do. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to do every market. I'm going to hire all these people. I'm going to do all this stuff. But then when I, you know, I had done my costing, but a lot of times when you do that, especially if you're just doing a basic, like, you know, I had a spreadsheet that I got in a business class, you know? Yeah. It wasn't an Excel. It was, there wasn't other things that I could put in there. So like all of a sudden when I have like labor costs involved or I started shipping things places and I had the carton cost and the shipping prices, all of those things, just even though you're so busy, it's taking any money that you're making and it's just like absorbed into the business. And so if you don't sit down with someone to figure that out, it's hard. It's hard. And then when I, when I sat with Sarah Masoni to figure out that was about the labor that it was going to take to grind these spices, because it was doing something totally different that I hadn't done before. That's a project that somebody wanted me to do. So I had to know if it was worth it for me to do it before I did it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's kind of a mistake that people get into because everything happens so fast. Like somebody will ask you to do something and you're just like, yes, yes, let's do it. And then you do it. And then you're like, I think I may be losing money. I'm not even really sure, but I'm just going to finish it out and then I'll look at it later or something. And then I just, I know so many people that get into that position. And so as soon as I saw you in San Diego and saw what you were doing and you had one of your beautiful, you know, things, tools that you were showing everybody. And I was like, I don't understand any of this, which is exactly (laughs) why people need her because, because this is so useful. And I sent your information to every one of my chef friends that was doing pop-ups here in the city, because I was like, this is what you need, because I know that you feel like you're working so hard every day and you're not sure if you're making money or not, you know? And so it's like, you know, you are just so useful for those people in those positions. Thank you. And I want to point out, you hit on something that I, I talk about a lot. If you, if you go to my Instagram page, um, you will see in all caps, the words slow down used a lot because I know from my experience, it's like when you have, when you're presented with an opportunity, especially when you feel like you need to sell more, right. To get the results you want, you say, yes, you want it? Yes, I'll do it. You you want to buy a unit of something and you want me to drive it an hour and a half? Sure, because it means I'm making money, right? It's like we don't, we're in panic, right? We're in like reaction mode. And so I, I really, from experience and still in my business today, I re- remind myself, slow down, slow down and just think through every opportunity. And I always tell my clients too, like, 
reach out to me, reach out to me and say, Hey, let's, let's carve out 30 minutes to an hour and talk through this scenario. Um, this opportunity that I have, because this really great brand who might want to sell my product all across the country wants it for half of what I normally sell it for. And I don't know if that's a good idea or not. Right. So it's like, I congratulate them for slowing down and we work through the numbers and then they can, they can go back to that that potential customer and have a really good conversation with them and get things where they need it to be, to, to land in a good place. And, you know, I love, I love to do that work and it, it feels really good, but slowing down is a big thing that it's such a hard lesson to learn too. Really I, I think most people only learn it by making a mistake, mistake. Yeah. <laughs> and then being like, Oh, why did I just do that? Like, cause that was the thing that I did. I, I would take on these really big projects and then I'd be like, I'll just look at the numbers later, you know, because yeah. I'd be like, I ha- it has to be worth it, you know? Yeah. And then I would look at it and be like, Oh, whoa, I just worked for like two months to do this really big project. And I maybe made a hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> you know, by the time that you figure it all out, it's like, you, you can't do that. But I, I did that quite a bit in the beginning. And then once I realized that, you know, I could wait and see if it was going to work and negotiate prices with people. Like in, I think when you very first start, you don't feel like you have that power to do that. You just feel like you have to say yes. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break and we will come back and talk about some of the projects you've worked on and clients you serve. So we'll be back in just a minute. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. Oh, it's so great to have you with us, Sarah. And I wanted to just make a comment. One of the things I always tell food entrepreneurs is when you're dreaming up your new company, you have to remember that it's your company. And so you get to choose how you run it. Yes, I love that. That's fantastic advice. Yeah. Such good advice. Um, I wanted to make sure that people knew about your blog that you have because I was checking it out and you have so much good advice for people on there that I think will get them to slow down a little bit, look at numbers <laughs> and and just to remember that all of those things are going to keep them in business, you know, so um, coming to someone like you or uh, just even starting, I always recommend that people, um, you know, follow people's blogs and get their newsletters, because all of that information is great to have. But then when you get to a place where you realize that you really need, you know, something like creating a relationship with you now, even if the people aren't sure that they, um, you know, need your services, even though I think they totally do. Um, but then they're connected with you already for when they do. So if they do have a big project or something that they really need you to look at that, that they've already established that connection. Yeah. And I I love that you bring that up because I think, especially when it comes to your finances, I think any business relationship, but finances, especially because it's such a sensitive area for for business owners of all kinds, you want to know that you're, you're partnering with someone who has I'll call it like the bedside banner or something that like that you want or that you need, right? They speak to you in a way that you want to be spoken to. And that's really important to me. So I would see people 
follow me, follow me on Instagram for six, eight months, you know, pop on my newsletter and I would never interact with them one-on-one. And eventually they would reach out and say, I've been following you for a while. And I really feel like you can help me. And I just appreciate that so much. And it's one of the reasons that I put out the blog and now the podcast is because I think it's important to know here's what I think, here are my philosophies and here's how I can help you if we jive well together, right? Like you're, you're going to get, you know, a little bit of tough love, right? You're going to get a little bit of pushback if you need it from me, but you're also going to get a ton of like support um, and counsel and friendship through the process. And it's like, I want people to kind of know what they're getting into before, before we ever do work together. So it's important for me. And so the blog is called the good food CFO blog. And we put lots of different types of content up there. The, the podcast is linked there and there's some sort of like general knowledge stuff. There's some motivational stuff and there's some educational stuff. So it's a nice mix of, of things up there. Well, I think when people are, um, you know, thinking about coming to you for services too, it's almost like a little bit like online dating. They, they have to, <laughs> they have to check you out. And talking about financial stuff is not easy because uh, yeah. it feels like if if it's not working, you feel like you're failing, even mm-hmm. though you're you you know you're putting everything into it. And so it's like you have to have someone that you feel trust in and that you feel like they're going to keep your information to themselves and that they are going to understand. And so I think that that's, it's good that you can have people kind of check you out. First. And, <laughs> and they have your best interest in mind. I, I yeah. have personal experience where I had a bad bookkeeper mm. and for, ooh, I hate to admit it, but for quite a few years, he wasn't doing stuff in our favor for our small business and it affected us financially. Finally, I just stepped up and fired him (laughs) and we found a better person and refiled our taxes for three years and got almost $15,000 back. Wow. So you have to be, you have to be your own advocate. Yeah. Yeah. On the financial side, I guess that's how I'd say Yeah. And I was speaking to someone the other day, I think on Friday, Thursday or Friday of last week, and she was feeling a bit ashamed about the, the lack of organization, let's say in her finances and how maybe things weren't recorded for the year prior or whatever. And I said, this is not a place of like, no one's going to make you feel ashamed of that. Like no one, I'm not going to judge you for that. This is just a total safe space to just lay it all out on the table. And we don't say, Oh, why did you do that? We say, okay, here's where we go from here. And she said, I, I got that sense about you and that's why I'm reaching out to you. And that means a ton to me because that's how I want people to feel, you know, safe. And, and, you know, Sarah, some people can't, don't have the courage. They never get that courage to sort of advocate for themselves. Right. And, um, they need someone like me sometimes to say, your bookkeeper is not serving you well. And, you know, let's talk about how we might approach this and and take care of it. Yeah. People always think stuff is their fault. And so I always say, well, did you check this? Like maybe that mixer you're using isn't a good mixer. And they just look at me like, well, how could the mixer be bad? (laughs) And then they go check the mixer and they're like, you were right. The mixer was bad. It wasn't me. See? Um, and I, I think sometimes it pe- like when you're talking about money stuff too, it's just like challenging for people. Or then if you make a mistake, you feel 
you, you know, just like, yeah. it just, fe- it doesn't feel good. So, but if, I think if you have someone there, that's like, this is, I mean, you did that, Sarah, like you had a business that you were running and it wasn't working and you closed it. But I think that that is key to why you are good at what you do now, because you've been there. And I think that really can put, people can get a lot of understanding from that and be like, you know, you want to help people to make sure that it's working for them. And I think that's really wonderful. And yeah. it's better to stop. Yeah. If you're doing something wrong to <laughs> yeah. throw more money at it. Oh. Yeah. That's my, my big lesson was I probably should have stopped a lot sooner than I, um, than I did. And so I also understand the, the commitment to your idea and this belief or perhaps stubbornness of like, we can make this work. We can make this work. We want to make this work. We're going to do it. We just and- need more money. Yeah. And I, I, I think that lesson sort of brings, allows me to bring, um, you know, compassion to the table, but also like optimism, but balanced with realism, right? Like if, if we're going to take this risk and we're going to keep operating the business, here's the reality of what all is going to have to change in order for it to hopefully end well for you, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's again, like, like Sarah Marshall said, it's that experience doesn't, it hasn't left me. I can still feel exactly what it feels like. I can picture myself in the kitchen with my husband, having that conversation the day that I realized we had to close the business. Um, that's going to stay with me forever. And I tap into that or can tap into that when I'm speaking to someone who's in the same type of situation, because it's not uncommon for someone to reach out to me and say, I think I might have to close my business. And I would like your opinion on whether I need to do that or not. Yeah. You know, and I think if I didn't have my experience, I wouldn't necessarily know how to handle that conversation. And now I can absolutely put myself in that person's shoes. Yeah. It's powerful. I wanted you to talk about some of your clients and sure. um, and just how you find them in any, fa- of course, you don't have to say favorites or not favorites, sure. but just people <laughs> that you think that you think we should know about. Yeah. So early on, I found my clients through basically just like local networking. Um, and I primarily worked with catering companies at first because that's who I had worked with you know, as an employee. And, um, I love working with catering businesses and meal delivery businesses, especially those that support local and sustainable, you know, um, farmers and other artisans, because I think there's such an opportunity, um, to feed the masses right on this, this, this way. And there's also a great opportunity to be profitable, um, and to make money. If you just, tap into the Excel tools that, that can be available to you to, to kind of maximize your business. Um, but eventually, um, you know, as a consultant, I think your network of people, and then again, just putting out content so that people can see who you are and kind of find you. Um, that's how the other clients sort of started coming to me. Um, I primarily now work with CPG brands. So makers of both food and beverage products, um, I know I don't want to list favorites, but um, <laughs> there is a, a really great um, company. It's it's a kombucha company called Kembucha. Um, Kamiko is the owner. And I think what I love about working with her is that she not only has a great product, but it's so purpose-driven and she is so committed to doing the work, to building a successful 
business. Um, and it wasn't that she had a, you know, a ton of sales when she came to me and, and, and she said, you know, I want to, I want to get on the path. I want to start taking this business seriously. And I want to do that work with you. And so it's exciting whenever a client says to me, let's do this. Right. And I'm committed to doing the work and I'm going to keep on showing up. Um, so I think in general, those are my, my favorite types of clients. Um, but I also, interestingly, it is international Women's Day. And I just prior to hopping on this podcast, made a post that 100% of the businesses that I work with are either fully owned or co-owned by women, which I think is a fascinating fact. And they own businesses like, you know, um, kraut companies. And I have one of my other kind of favorites to work with is a, is a kraut business. And the reason I love working with her is because she said, I've got a problem. And I've not wanted to face it. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna rip off the band-aid. And no matter how much it hurts, we're gonna work through it together. And we were on the phone for, you know, two, three hours, our first few meetings, because she was like, I'm ready to do this work. And we really got down to it. Um, so that was great. And then I think Sarah Masoni, I think maybe you know Tonya from Queen of Hearts, perhaps, right? Yeah. She's got a, a dressing. Yeah. I'm we're loving working, working with, with her right now. Yeah. And she was on our show, wasn't she, Sarah? No, she hasn't been on the show, but I think she we've we want her to be. She listens, <laughs> she listens to the show. Oh, hi Tonya. Yeah, hi Tonya. <laughs> Tonya is one of my favorite ladies as well because I think she has a unique product. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and She's there's a lot that she can teach like me and others about hemp and the benefits and how it can be consumed and stuff. So I'm I'm excited about that business and brand as well. Yeah. I think there's probably a reason that a lot of women come to you um, that are female business owners, because I think a lot of times when you are a female business owner, when you have to start to talk about money or loans or banks, you're always dealing with men. And I mean, that's been my experience, but it's not. And even when I was looking for an accountant and things like that, it was like, that's who I was all of a sudden had to be in a room with. And I, and it's not how I wanted it to be, you know, Mm -hmm. and I didn't enjoy it. And I was like, this has to be another way. And so I think that people probably seek you out because they have that experience and they want to talk. I think there's ways to talk about finances with feelings involved. Mm. And I think that that's why people probably come to you because you're so good at that piece. Yeah. It's good. Maybe. I, I, (laughs) I think, you know, it's true that I lead with compassion, right. In all conversations. And I would, you know, my hunch is that not everyone who works in finance, um, leads with that. So I think you might be onto something. (laughs) (laughs) That that would just be, you know, I mean, it's just my my personal um, guess on that, but I, yeah. I think probably. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, COVID specifically, and and that can people come to you if they are working on like pivoting their business? Or is that a good, um, you know, kind of business to send to you if yeah. they're trying something new? Yeah, because I. I think that there's a lot of people, especially restaurants and caterers um, that need to do something totally different. And I think a lot of people have had to just jump into something very quickly, but now can maybe look at, is it really working or what do I need to do to make it work? So I I was thinking we would have a lot of listeners that would be in that boat. Yeah. So, you know, really 
again, like COVID, the, the early part of COVID was so crazy. And I remember retreating from social media at first because like I noted a, a little bit ago, so many people were experiencing experiencing things so differently, just like losing your business overnight. Some of my clients where we were you know, planning for the next phase of their business, suddenly the conversation switched to how long can I pay my employees for? How much of a loan do I need to ask for to cover the bills for so what we thought was six months or, you know, whatever. And it, the, it was, it's heartbreaking. It's still heartbreaking to think about because there's a lot of those businesses that still aren't operating or they're operating on such a small scale compared to what they were before. And then businesses turned to me after pivoting some, in some cases where they, there's one company I'm thinking of in particular really awesome product, really amazing businesswoman, made a pivot, had her greatest month of sales ever, but the 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 structure of the business wasn't set up to support those sales that that were being shipped, right? Cuz we we transitioned so hard to a the e-commerce and shipping, right? She lost more money than she made that month, right? And it's just it's just brutal. So, um Yes, if you're if you're pivoting or if you have made a pivot and you are you know trying to figure out do you need to tweak it or is this working or you know is this right for me to move forward with definitely seek out help from some, myself or someone like me because what we can do together is look at your business holistically look at the whole thing and just make sure that it's healthy and pinpoint opportunities to to make your business better. Um, I talk a lot about making your business better before you make it bigger, right? Like another lesson learned from my (laughs) time as a business owner, Um, understand your costs, understand what it costs you to ship your products, to pack your product, right? If you're putting ice in the box, how much is that going to cost you? Um, All of those little things that we don't realize are adding up um, or that are totally new to us if we're pivoting, right? We can... Sometimes what people get overwhelmed with is just gathering the information. Like, what do I do with all these numbers that are kind of like floating all around? And I tell people, listen, I love to do that. You just email me all the numbers and I'll do the work, of putting them all together and making sense of them. And then I get to serve them up to you and we have a constructive conversation. So um, that's a long-winded answer <laughs> to say, <laughs> yes, um, if people are pivoting or have pivoted, for sure, they can they can find help and support. Yeah. Do you, what's your favorite thing about food entrepreneurs? Oh gosh, that's a hard question to answer. <laughs> Do they give you lots of food samples? I don't take food samples. Oh, so interesting thing. I read a book early on in my consulting work that talked about how, especially as women, we should pay for everything that we um, get from other business owners, especially, you know, fellow female business owners or women business owners. And, um, maybe it's discounted, but, but pay full price if you can. And I just thought that's something that I really want to stand by. Um, that if I'm going to try someone's products, I want to pay for it. And, um, you know, I think the, the, the one caveat to that, the one thing that I allow is that if someone won't let me pay for it, then they get at least a 30 minute to one hour consultation with me so that there is some sort of an exchange of, I don't know, energy 
you know, positively. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I do, I do, you know, like to try, um, people's products, but I don't, I don't get the free, the free samples, which is fine by me. <laughs> I think that's a good way to do it because the, I mean, you're talking to people about being financially stable. That means they need to charge people for their products. That's exactly. very good advice. I, yeah. yeah. I think people try, I think we all try to give away our stuff a lot because it's the way that we show our love, you know? Yeah. So we're like, here, no, I want you to have this. Like, but then as your business is like swirling around you. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, I said to someone the other day, I so appreciate that offer, but I know how much time and money and energy went into making that. And I want you to get what you deserve you know, in return for that. So I think I never mean to offend anyone. Um, and on occasion I'm forced to take a free sample here and there because I just, I realize I must do this, you know, it's the, you know, but it's maybe happened once or twice over three years. Um, so, but I think, I think again, it might go back to working with, I have one male customer, one male client and his company is co-owned. It's him and his wife. Um, so, but the, so the vast majority of my, my clients are women. And I think the energy that they bring to the table and to every single meeting is just so awesome. I never really thought about it before. I'd never intended to work primarily with women, but I freaking love it. And they're all so hardworking, so innovative and, just empowering for me. Um, and it's so meaningful to me to be able to support them. It's just like, it's too hard to say one specific thing. I think I like everything about it. Well, that's what we try and do for our show. For all girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard. I like it. I like it's it. To do that. It's yeah. really nice. But we just have a few more minutes. Do you want to just tell everybody one more time how they can find you, Sarah? Sure. Of course. Thank you. So you can find me on Instagram at sarah.delavan.consulting. Um, the website is sarahdelavan.com. And our weekly podcast is called The Good Food CFO. And you can find that via our blog or on any of the apps and places that you can listen to podcasts. And do you have any advice for brand new businesses? Do your homework, build a financial model and um, be patient. Don't rush into, don't rush into the business. Make, Make sure it better before bigger. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I love this. You guys are very good learners. <laughs> We're feeling you. We get it. <laughs> well, Sarah, thanks so much for joining us today. It was really great to see you again. It's been a while since I've seen you and um, it was good to hear all the wonderful things that you have to say. And I will continue yes. to refer people your way because I just think you do a fantastic job of helping all these struggling entrepreneurs out there try to figure out their finances. <laughs> so thank thanks. you so much. Yeah. It's thanks wonderful. for everything that you do. My gosh, I feel like I could talk to you ladies all day. This is, feels like it's gone by in a minute. I appreciate I know, the fast. work. <laughs> I appreciate the work that you do and I love your show. So thank you again for having me. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. We record Missoni and Marshall live every week. You can listen on your favorite podcast platforms like iTunes and Stitcher. You can search for us by looking for a meaningful marketplace podcast. Thank you to our audio engineer, Lon. We're so glad to have you back and our production assistant, Chelsea. And if you want to be a guest on the show, you can send us a message on our Instagram at Masoni and Marshall. We will be back next week. Thanks, everybody.
Bye. Bye for now. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of Meaningful Marketplace. As a family-owned organ grocer for 42 years, Market of Choice strives to inspire, mentor, and assist a diverse group of local producers and foster equity in our communities. With 11 stores in Oregon, Market of Choice supports these craft makers, as well as farmers, fisherfolk, and ranchers, by bringing more than 7,000 local products to market. Together, we form a sustainable, community-based food system that serves our great state. To learn more, go to marketofchoice.com. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.